but she will not have it. She will not. She will fill this child, these children, with life. She will place herself between them and the door leading out, and she will stand there, teeth bared, blocking the way. She will defend her three babes against all that lies beyond this world. She will not rest, not sleep, until she knows they are safe. She will push back, fight against, undo the foresight she has always had about having two children. She will. She knows she can. This week, we're talking about Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. Hey, Lacey. Hello, Kiffin. So today we're talking about Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. And Hamnet is, of course, related to Hamlet by William Shakespeare. And so have you seen the play Hamlet? Have you watched? Have you read it? I, when I started off this book, I thought, yes. And then by the very end of the book, it kind of mentions a little bit of the plot. And I was like scratching my head and now I cannot recall anything so I don't think I have I think it's one of those things where I've just heard the name so many times that I associate it with something but not accurately have you so and I like I was like scrambling right before recording like I've got to read the little synopsis of this play I'm pretty positive that I watched whichever movie has Helena Bonham Carter not played Ophelia? Probably. It seems right up her freaking alley. And so, unless it was a fever dream, then I have definitely watched it. But it's been so long that I just, yeah, it's like, that's what I mean. Basically not even existing. But that's what I'm remembering. Like, I'm remembering mainly like Ophelia and her dying. So I don't know. I was in um, drama classes the first like two years of high school. And like we would randomly watch like, you know, these uh, plays that otherwise I would have never watched. And like I remember watching Macbeth. And now even now I'm like, I have a vague memory of like one scene. But the rest of it, I'm like, what the heck happened? So I feel as if I probably have and then there's just I don't know too much other information in my brain and I've just kind of channeled it right on out of there well I definitely have never watched Macbeth I mean like uh which is neither here nor there but there okay there is a movie where she plays Hamlet so I I have watched that (coughs) super old it's from 1990 um but yeah I probably watched it in like some random class how old would she have been in 1990 she looks super young. I mean, she my gosh. Super, super young. Is she 50-something? I mean, maybe she could be. She looks great. Every time I see her, I'm like, mm. She's so cute in this movie. Like, before she really loses it, she was such a cutie whenever she was younger. <laughs> Which I don't think of Helena Bonham Carter being cute. I think of her being, like, a spooky, and- a spooky yeah. lady. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Mel Gibson is Hamlet in this movie. No. I have totally seen this. Yes. <laughs> and he has, like, a Caesar haircut. It's so funny. Okay, I've got to rewatch. Like, I need to revisit Hamlet, especially after listening or Listen, watching this book. Oh, well, I was going to we should watch it, but actually probably would have tainted our review, so perhaps not. Exactly. <laughs> okay, now down to brass tacks. Hamnet. And when I, like, I was telling somebody about it today, and they're like, do you mean Hamlet? And I'm like, <laughs> absolutely, I do not mean that. But, yeah, so both of us were dumb and, like, 
thought somehow this was gonna be like a retelling of Hamlet or why like, did we think it was humorous? Or we like, were, yes, yes. We were like, oh, the comedy. And now I'm like, what? I, seriously, like the biggest snafu. This is in no way a comedy. And we totally thought it was gonna be like a like a romp. I don't know. <laughs> it's not even is it not a comedy. It's not a lot read. I it's a tragedy. Yes. It took me it <laughs> When I, the, the book's 300 pages, I read 300-page books, I feel like, every single day. Or, not every day. <laughs> but, like, whenever I have a couple e- or hours in the evening, I can race yeah. through one. This yeah. freaking book, it is... It's, it's dense. It's, yes. So, Packed. Hamnet, and I, I, like, blame this on the old English ways of... And it does make sense. Like, there were so many different spellings for so many random things. And you have to, like, almost say it in a British accent. But Hamnet and Hamlet at the time of William Shakespeare were the same name. It was like your name, I guess, being Ashley. And then there's like 10 different ways to spell it. So Hamnet, Hamlet. Hamnet was Shakespeare's son. And he had boy-girl twins and he had an older daughter. And you go into this book knowing right away that this boy dies when he's 11 years old. And then, you know, a few years later he writes Hamlet, the play. Um, The overview I would give of this book is that it is an incredibly lush and richly written novel, mainly focusing on his wife. Um, In the book, she's known as Annette Annie, I struggled so bad because I did read Agnes. this book. It's Agnes, <laughs> but they pronounce it Annis or Anius. And so I had to like keep reminding myself. I would like autocorrect every time I'd read it because I would read it Agnes, but I know it's Anius. And so that was kind of like a quirk where maybe it would have been easier to listen to. Um but it, it focuses on Agnes, who is Anne Hathaway, and her relationship with Shakespeare, her motherhood, her weird, quirky ways, her grappling with the death of her child. And there are some flashbacks where they talk about the meeting of Anne and Shakespeare, how they got married, because when they got married, Agnes was 26 and, and Shakespeare was 18 so there was like quite an age gap there it was like kind of a I don't know maybe a little bit scandalous um so yeah that that's the meat of the book is really her story um which people don't know a lot about her like it's just kind of it's almost frustrating it's like why don't we know more about her she's married to one of the most famous people of all time what is really crazy is I feel like anybody that does any bit of family history at all there's especially if you go on family tree there's like a little um a little tab that shows you like famous people that you're related to i have never seen a single person do this that has not been related to william shakespeare everybody i'm not kidding i I, so i I was kin to him and uh, you know obviously it's super dissonant and then Mm -hmm. there were a ton of people in um in my local young women so aka their girls group at church in my ward growing up so okay i was like okay we're all kind of related the same thing happened with my girls that were in uh jacksonville where these girls come from all over 
Um, and I mean, the other, some of these girls were from other countries, like for had originated. So I was like, what on this earth? So I'm just like, which is bizarre because he only had two living children. So I don't you know. But every time female. I think like, right. Every time I think about it, I'm like, how bizarre is it that so many people are kin to this man? I don't know. Really? His his seed must have just spawned off. I don't know. <laughs> but I just I was thinking about it while I was reading this book. But I say all that because you're right. We know like his wife, it was just crazy to me whenever, because I also did a little research too, where it was like, yeah, we don't even know what her real name is. It's like, yeah. it, it really could be either or. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. imagine Which you like, see no that, one knows your name. <laughs> right. You see that even in like more recent history of just a few generations back. Okay. This is a bizarre one. My great grandfather um, was Jeff Polk. This is my, my Grammy's father. Everyone knew him as Jeff. He eventually had a daughter who he named Stella Jeffrey, right? She went by <laughs> Jeffrey after her dad. Weird, but like, it's not weird to me because I grew up that way. Anyway, <clears throat> anyway, he's always been Jeff Polk. And then later, Grammy said she was doing something and like listed somewhere. He's listed as Jefferson. And she's like, I had never heard him referred to Jefferson in my life. But obviously, like, somewhere down the line, maybe he was born Jefferson. But, like, that's a big distinction between, like, Jeff, Jeffrey, Jefferson. Huge change. I think that stuff happens, too, when people pick up um, um, initials for names. Where it's like, like, my grandfather was only known as WL. And, like, so... (laughs) WL, but then people called him WL, and then he went by Dub at work and Dale. And it's like, what? I only laugh because it's like the ultimate Southern old man thing is to be (laughs) known by like bizarre, like (laughs) Dub. Listen, him and all his, uh, he had a ton of nephews that were like ML, like JK, (laughs) like (laughs) some bizarre ones. But, anyways. Oh, yeah. Instead of their very cute little names. Right. How do you know you're from the South? You go by Jeffrey instead of Stella. (laughs) As a woman. (laughs) Yes, a female. I think growing up, they called her Jeffy, which is cuter. But anyway, she was a very cute and classy lady. She pulled it off. So, Hamnet, let's get into our personal reviews here. Okay, you go first. Okay, I know I'm going to differ from you. I, to start off, I also struggled a little bit getting into this book because I am deeply into Wheel of Time right now. I had just plowed through three solid Wheel of Time books and I had to stop that flow of energy and then siphon it into Hamnet. And so a little bit of me was just so resistant to reading something that wasn't part of my series. However, I hit, and this sounds crazy, but it was good. It's never was bad. It never was um, something I wasn't enjoying. It was just like, still my heart wasn't in it. And then I hit like 35, 40%. And it just really got me. And that last 60% of the book, I think I read it in one day. Um, That is crazy. That is actually crazy to me. And and maybe it was too. I just don't, I, I remember talking to you and being like, I don't think I'm going to be able to record until like Monday. <laughs> and 
and I finished like five days early or something. So I ended up loving it. I would give it five stars, maybe 4.5, just because it does get a little wordy sometimes. But the feeling that this book inspired in me and left me with cannot be ignored. Like, (laughs) what happened? (laughs) What happened was there were some moments, there's some really sad moments in this book. I teared up, right? After the book was over, and I am heavily pregnant right now, so hormones definitely playing a role here. I'm laying in bed. I had just finished the book. I put it down. And I laid in my bed. (laughs) (laughs) Sobbed. Like, tears were just leaking out of my eyes. It wasn't like sobbing. It was just like, could not staunch the flow of these tears over, like, this beautiful story. And Jared came in. He was like, there is nothing worse to me. There is literally nothing worse. (laughs) He's like, are you you okay? Like, uh, do you feel sick still? Like, because I had complained about like my shoulder earlier. He's like, do you think like, did you like, did you, do you think your rotator cuff is torn or, you know, and I'm like, I, oh, my book was so beautiful. And he just like starts falling and <laughs> laughing at me so hard he's like I thought you were dying or something because you're just laying here stiff as a board with tears running down your face what is so freaking funny to me is so this is your 2021 experience 2020 when I was heavily pregnant I mean I literally was like 37 weeks pregnant with Penny and I finished the great alone and Graham came in it was the same thing I literally was laid up in the bed crying so hard and he was like what on this earth it is seriously I was so embarrassed to be like a fictional character has got me in my feelings right it just (laughs) broke my heart and so I loved I thought that the book was so good um I don't think I would recommend it to everyone because and I'm sure you'll get into this side of it like the way it's written is very beautiful but I mean you've got to love like reading beautiful prose like it's not it is a very winding way of telling this story all right that's all I'm gonna say for for sure (laughs) oh I am I'm torn I'm torn because part of me is like you're absolutely right this book is filled I have have I ever read a book with as much imagery as this one I don't know probably not honestly the book itself was beautiful but I, I was the same way where it kind of was a trudge for me. I was thinking to myself that I probably wouldn't have picked it up and continued on after the first, um, you know, after the f- first little bit, if it wouldn't have been that the two of us were reading it. Mm-hmm. Once I got into it, I did enjoy it more. But it just took a while. I, as a reader, I just want to bypass unnecessary stuff. So there was a point where you know anything it didn't even have to be a small thing and sometimes it was beautiful there was like a scene where she talked about like her her daughter's looking out the window or actually i think it was judas it was judas the, the daughter's perspective and she's looking out the window and like there's people and like she puts her thumb up and she talks about like how it kind of like obliterates them and i was thinking about like wow like that's actually so beautiful in the sense that as a kid i remember doing that all the time where you're like oh like mm-hmm. imagine they're not there like some will think but then there were times where <laughs> she's talking about like how she's delivering the 
the use and how she has to stick her hands in there and she goes into deep details about like the 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 ears <laughs> laid back and the the smooshed nose and the wide mouth and I'm like honey I'm sorry I don't care enough about this if there's an important point of the plot give me the details if it is a small minuscule thing I don't care I want to I want to I want to get to the fun part of the book so with all that <laughs> that sounds like I was angry and I'm not I enjoyed the book I'll probably give it a three and a half and and I will agree with you like there were some moments where I'm like okay specifically around how Judith so Judith the um the female twin gets ill first right and she like this is plague time I mean this is not a spoiler because you you know that this is coming the whole time um and that's the other thing when I started this book I mean, the amount of dread that I was filled with because I knew it was coming, that really did affect my opinion of the book at first. Because I'm like, I know this is going to happen. And I'm just like, it just sucks. Like, I don't, I've kept thinking, like, I wish I didn't know that he was going to die. I wish it was just a surprise because it's, the book is so mesmerizing at times. It like weaves these you know, it, like sucks you in and like builds this beautiful world that's also like very kind of grimy and and gross and visceral because it's the mid- middle ages basically. Um, but then there's that underlying sense of dread where you're just feel like stressed. Like I felt very yeah, stressed for the definitely. first several things of like, okay, how is it going to happen? What is going to happen to this poor child? Um I and thought you so, were fixing to talk about the the very the the first opening scene that literally takes like fifteen percent of the book, where where he's trying to find somebody, yes, and I'm like, so Please. stressful. <laughs> oh my gosh, what the one when it went overboard for me <laughs> was the flea, the oh, flea Kiffin, that came from the monkey that to me. jumped to here to here to here, and I how Judith it. ended up getting the plague. <laughs> I skipped past it. I, that's a point of. We know how the plague happens. You don't need to tell me. Yeah. I that that no, I skipped. I I did. Once I realized what was happening, I was like, no, ma'am, no, unacceptable. I know. I I pushed forward, but that was the one part where I was like, Maggie, honey, like you're flexing. Listen, some people you're will really love that good. in a book, but yeah. it's, it is it was too much for me. It was definitely beautiful. Yeah. You're right. If you like the lyricism, go for it, but. You better be buckling up for a detailed rod. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't like an overly long book, but you're totally right. And again, I would probably go in at 4.5 just because there was that like, like kind of stress and kind of, I just wanted that first little part to be over with. And that's not something I would, but again, at the end of the day, like, I'm so glad I read it and like the feeling that it left me with and there are some discussions in this book, some passages about motherhood and like how you feel as a mother and like wanting to protect your child yep. that are just like they rip your heart out. I mean, they're so well written and it just, it just made me like just hurt inside in a good way because I'm like, yes, this is how you feel. And I really felt like very connected with Anius at that part. The other thing is I didn't really feel super connected to her at the beginning because of her like mysticism and 
does yeah. she have magic powers and things like that where I'm like okay I was talking to my friend Aria and she's like yeah Anius was like a little bit too manic pixie dream girl for me at first but then she grows on you and I'm like totally that is exactly what happened to me I think it's just because we weren't introduced with her because we were introduced with Hamnet and she was just yes. like it it really did affect because you're right once we got in she's probably I mean the viewpoint probably over 70% mm-hmm. of the book but that that big like I said that like first 15% it just yeah I think you're right it, that did make a big difference but even then that first 15% that's really all you get of Hamnet before he dies and it right. does he gets it his makes one little you, scene yeah and it like he's such a good boy and like so concerned for his sister and like trying really hard that it it does make it more tragic when he does pass because you do get at least an i like a connection with him okay i think we should go into spoil oh wait 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 did did you read it it? yeah you're you're gonna have to take it over because i i read it i read it as an ebook okay well i i did this probably the stupidest thing ever but i read it and listened to it i ended up (laughs) it sounds really stupid but i ended up with both of the um audio were the audiobook and the ebook on my overdrive. And so I started off on the audiobook and I gotta say, this freaky narrator, I'm not kidding. I had it at 1.75 because she, <laughs> the content of this book, as we said, is very just like over the top in the descriptions. And she is reading at a snail's pace. I just yeah. was like, what is going on here? I, I prefer. I noticed that in our preview. I was it like, it was hmm. slow. I, <laughs> I don't even. It was very slow. Um, so I preferred reading it. I kind of traded on and off because at different times I was driving, and then I was like, oh, I we're recording tonight. I got to finish this up, so I would play right. it. And then whenever I would get to the house, I was like, okay, well now I got to read it. But I preferred reading it. Um, that way I could kind of skim past things that I didn't care about. But also, like I said, the narrator far too slow so i would definitely say ebook or book in hand is the way to go yeah i i would i would agree with you because so much of it is about the beauty of the words you kind of if you're into that then you kind of do want to read it and the only thing that threw me off is her name is spelled agnes but it is pronounced anius did it say this in the book it does yeah i just totally missed it (laughs) she she specifically says uh i don't know she even like puts it out phonetically with like a hyphen in between and then there's another scene where her mother-in-law keeps like is very frustrated with her and keeps calling her anis and how that's not correct either right so it's like anius like the soft g um i must have missed that with the audiobook I looked it up and Maggie O'Farrell was like, yeah, like she went, you know, you always hear her called Anne, like her name's Anne Hathaway, but um, she's noted a few times as spelled Agnes. So I kind of like took that, like, I, again, she's a very mystical gal. So I guess it does make sense for her to have kind of a different name. Um, all right. Full, full spoilers ahead. Whew. Okay. Okay, where do you, where do we want to start? There's, there's so I, much. I actually find it hard to kind of spoil this book because it does it for you. Like it's it's yeah. right up at the beginning that Hamnet dies. You know that Shakespeare. It's historical fiction, so you know you know that Shakespeare lived in London, and you know 
Anne lived in Stratford on Avon or whatever it's called. What I did not totally understand going into this is how little time they spent together as a married couple. I mean, this is not the the middle of the book, but it is something that's like top of mind to the story is that so Shakespeare is like not named in the book. And I actually liked that because like we all have an idea of who Shakespeare is. And I felt like that would have been distracting for him to be like called Will or whatever. Kind of liked that they like took the spotlight off of him. But I don't know. How did you feel about Shakespeare in general in this book? You know, well, I've got to start with one of the things that really cracked me up. So it talks a lot about Bar- Bartholomew, her brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm just going to call her Agnes. Y'all know I can't do yeah. this podcast. <laughs> Agnes's brother. And there's a scene where she is, ta- or he's talking about, <laughs> he's talking about uh, Shakespeare. And it is just the quintessential country man and how he views the city man. And it was literally like my childhood where it's like, you've got all the book learning, but you ain't got no common sense. Or it's like, you can't do, you know, there's literally so little you can do. You're like, you're a learned man, but you're not a skilled man. And whenever he's like, at one point he, he's carrying Agnes who's just given birth. And then he's like, Hey, do you think you can carry that little, like uh, <laughs> the little bundle on the side? Oh, so totally. That really, it almost kind of like, I, I, I believed what, what he said where I'm like, Oh, like I just thought of him as like this little guy that had like a lot of big words, but I, I don't know. I just, I was not in love with him. I kind of couldn't stand him a lot of the time and just how he, how we just kind of abandoned the family and like, I get it. He needed his space. He needed to be able to get away from his father and grow and like have his own career. But at the same time, it was at the expense of the people that really loved him and wanted to support mm-hmm. him. So yeah, just wanted to like him but could I, I, I appreciated that he you know impregnated her and then <laughs> married her because I was thinking like oh my gosh what is this man you know leaves her high and dry right. but you know so you know just mixed villains there totally I um Shakespeare himself the father it spoke to me a more about Anne's character than his character that she marries him in the first place because he really had like like he was seen as kind of like a lout like he didn't do much his father is like abusive and he doesn't want anything to do with him but it's not like he was known like oh you know him he's always writing poetry nobody even knew that he like had that skill right and so one thing so I'm like jumping all over the place but I actually loved the part of Anne, like that she could kind of press on someone's hand and have an idea of who they really were and like find out stuff about her, about them or how to heal them or what they needed in whatever way or like even see kind of a little bit of her future. And the reason why that worked for me, because I told you at first it was like a little much. And I was like, oh, like, is that how the whole book is going to go? But I liked that at the end of the day, it still did not allow her to control, um, to control like the death of her child or 
what was happening with her husband in the city. Like, do you know what I mean? Even though she had this special ability, like it was a gift, but it didn't make her better than anyone else. And it didn't make her life a whole lot easier. In fact, it like almost made it harder. And I thought that was so interesting that like when she felt his hand, she couldn't even figure him out. Like she didn't know what the heck his future was going to be like, because I don't think that there had been someone like him before, you know? And so she was like, she knew that there was something super special about him and like captivated her. And so she was willing to make these sacrifices for his happiness. I don't know. I, I liked the, the way that their relationship was written. I really connected with, and I understood where she was coming from, where it's like, it's so hard to see your spouse struggle. It's so hard to see them like deeply sad or just malcontent or whatever and like sacrificing for you or for whatever it is but yeah at the same time he just was so willing to take that it really <laughs> that's well that's exactly what I mean where it was like I appreciated her and that she was willing to sacrifice but yeah. I just couldn't stand that it was not reciprocated or where he he almost always got like the better end of the stick mm-hmm. where I'm like this poor gal. I mean, we, the two of us as parents have often talked about how it was really hard when your spouse works late or mm-hmm. how it was really hard when they're gone for a weekend. This woman is living with his family who don't really like her. The dad right. is very abusive. And like at one point, Hamnet was told by his dad or it was Hamnet was told by Shakespeare, like, never be around your grandfather. Uh, like, if he's in a rage, like, don't even get near, you know. So it's like, if you're mm-hmm. having to tell this to your kid, but yet he's leaving for nine, ten months on end. I'm like, yeah, what? Right. And then when Hamnet does die, it's like, I know you're upset. Like, obviously, yeah. you would be crushed if your son died. You didn't spend all that much time with him when he was alive. So it almost made me more upset with him that he took it so hard. And then he like really stepped away from his family. I didn't mind that he took it hard, but yeah, that he abandoned them. Yes. In in her, in the mother's deepest. I Yes. But that's what I mean. Like you're allowed to feel very, very sad. But you haven't given enough to your family to be able to take that liberty of like, I just need time on my own. Well, no, you've had nothing but time on your own. Like, it's so indulgent. It's so indulgent. What also drove me crazy was, you know, at first I was also kind of like, okay, like we said, like he really didn't have a lot of money. He worked as a tutor. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, the, the plan was for him to build his family business. But eventually he really, you know, took off as a playwright and made a ton of money. So at some point I was like, when will the money be good enough that you can step away? Do you like, you know what I mean? Did he have to be there? Could he not have written the plays and sent them off and given some direction or did he like, did he need to be as steeped into it as what he was once he was established? Cause if I just I, was like, sir, if I'm going to put on my Enneagram hat in this book, I would definitely say William Shakespeare is a Enneagram four with a wing three meaning that he had this hole inside of him where he felt like he was special and that he had something to give and that he needed and deserved and wanted more than what was in this little town, which there's nothing wrong with that at all. But he's 
he was willing to give up everything to get at it. But then they're like wing three kicks in where it's like, gotta cover up yeah. all of my feelings with all of this work. Like cannot get off of the treadmill. Like he, he says that over and over again. He even uses it as an excuse to Annis, like two days or something after Hamnet is buried of, you know, yeah. I, I have they to go back. Me. Like, yes, the players are going to fall apart. Like someone's going to take my place. And, it's just like, okay, no, you're just not willing. You're just selfish. Like, yeah, you're you're not willing yeah. to deal with your feelings, your emotions, no. things that are hard. You want to cover it up by business. Yes, yes. And so I actually was, at least I was happy when she finally kind of told him off because before that, she had really been enabling with it. I mean, it was just like, yeah, you do what I, you need to do, I, and she totally was so agree. focused on her children that it was like. I again I talked to Aria about this a lot because she had already read it and we were talking about how when so Jared was in school for you know in in grad school and just really not super available and we have really little kids and then he would go on rotation and be gone for like six weeks at a time or whatever which is I mean, it pales in comparison to like military spouses, for example, of what they have to go through. But it is interesting how you do tend to just like, or at least I did, I almost like thrived whenever he was gone because I would just fill every second of my day with tasks with like, okay, I'm taking care of the kids. My house was like really super clean, which it never is. But like when he was gone, it was like organizing we we're talking today about all that deep cleaning that you just tend to ignore or forget about it was done the linen closets looked great my room was super organized my bed was made every day and I feel like that's what Annis did is she just like stalked her life full to the brim with like making potions and fixing tonics and her garden and her clients and all of these things and it may it took it took the sting away you even know, without all that being there she talked a lot and i actually really liked this where it was like you know she like hamlet not hamlet shakespeare was from like the city or like you know where she was mm-hmm. from like a little like um a country right. yeah like a little country girl like she lived in what is that yeoman or whatever so it's like the hewlands her- her family's like, you know, a little couple of farmers. Yeah. And so it was like when they got married where she just had almost almost like this like nervous energy where she's like, you know, I'm used yeah. to being up before the sun rises and like everybody else is sleeping in. And she's like already baked bread and like washed the floorboards yeah. and like, you know, just over the top busy just because it's kind of all she knew. Yeah. There is something about a hardworking Southern woman that I'm like, I love it so much. I cannot <laughs> I stand it. <laughs> uh, and in this in this case, a hardworking like British lass, right. farm lass. But yeah, <laughs> totally. And this is a great time to segue into one of my favorite uh, little relationships in this book that they explored, which is Agnes and her mother-in-law, um, mm-hmm. Mary. I like... I loved it. I loved how this relationship was written of this classic like love hate relationship. And I can only imagine when you are literally like she is literally like the barefoot fancy free drying herbs and ran off into the woods to have her first baby. 
like flower child and then her mother-in-law is just the exact opposite like so practical and so like hard-edged almost that it really made for an interesting dynamic i loved how it was so like true to life where it's like you can love people and care for them and like and she she did she loved like she she couldn't stand her but she loved her and I'm like <laughs> yeah this is so freaking true where it's like sometimes you you know especially when it's like a, an in-law or somebody that marries into your family and you're like I don't really know about like if I'm how sure I feel about like your personality and like the way that you were raised and like all these different things but you kind of grow to love the person but it's still like okay mm-hmm. you're still a weirdo so I thought that was so, where like there's a couple scenes where I'm like, oh, they're going to get into a fight. And then instead it's like Mary like grabs her hand and it's like there to support her. And it's like, right. oh, wow. It's like, that's, you know, so it was unexpected for me. I'm like, oh, like I thought it was going to be like, okay, like I hate you, like slam the door. Like I'd never help you out. But instead it was like definitely a back and forth. Totally. It, was, it, I, it really was fun. I loved the scene where they figure out that Hamnet is just like or Judith I guess is so sick and they just kind of turn into this like perfect tandem team where Mm -hmm. Mary's boiling the water and she's grabbing the herbs and she's locking the door and they're just kind of swirling around each other and working seamlessly even though you know a few scenes before (laughs) Mary would be like this food's too salty and like dump it in the trash (laughs) and so i love that and it was a good it was a good juxtaposition between how anya's had grown up with like this kind of wicked evil stepmother but at the same time it wasn't like she had a fairy godmother it was just like a little better (laughs) a little better actually that's good that's a good point anya's had her the three motherly figures in her life was her actual mother who passed away uh, when she was like a little girl, but like she always, you know, she thought of her with these like. She like, was the manic pixie dream girl. Yes. And like how she, like she idolized her so much and like she really wanted to like embody her and like be who she was. And like she picked up a lot of her characteristics and traits and, you know, and like how she loved her. And then she had like the wicked Joan, the stepmother, who was like. <sighs> thought of her as like the sorry child and then you know yeah she had mary who was like okay i don't understand you but i will do my best to kind of you know help you with my grandkids and you know so yeah she had the very different um mother figures in her life which was interesting Mm -hmm. it's also interesting just like how anius's kids end up looking at their mom specifically like her oldest daughter Susanna. I liked that you got like Susanna's little toddler perspective at first um, in some of the flashbacks around like when the twins were born and like her little two-year-old perspective of like being so fancy free and like imagining things and having this like imaginative play. And then she grows up into like a pretty serious person. I, I wanted so much more from her i wish we would have got more from her as an adult because the way she was written she was very like it it, it was talking about how she was gonna she was basically gonna be like a mary and like not like her Mm -hmm. mama and i just and and actually i read up a little bit about her life and she ended up i think marrying a doctor and she inherited most of shakespeare's fortune and i just wanted more interesting that is really interesting and yeah like there's one there's a question at 
um, in the reader's guide at the end of this book. And it was the one where I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know the answer to this question. And it was, how do the differences in Annius's two births reflect in her relationship with those children? So you've got like when she was pregnant with her first baby, she literally sneaks off into the woods, goes to a hollow in a bottom of a fallen tree and gives birth by herself to Susanna. And eventually Shakespeare and Bartholomew find her. And, you know, you, you told that story. Um, but that was such like a she, beautiful she, scene to me. There was, oh my gosh, something it was about so, it. That it was so was good. Just, like, cause I was thinking if you would have, what, normally if I was to hear about like somebody goes into the woods it sounds a little bit like okay you're trying too hard or there's mm-hmm. you know it feels abstract weird but in this story it kind of worked where it was like oh my mother gave birth here I'm very connected mm-hmm. to the forest and to the the little cross uh, and the like it it made it it kind of really helped her again embody her mother and kind of like step in her footsteps and there was just something about it where she has the baby and like she puts the baby up to her breast and I just was why am I feeling emotional now I don't even know but it's just like such a special like tender moment it was written very beautifully yeah she really right and she did not again she doesn't step away from like the ugly parts of this story it's not like everything is like bursting with beauty and life like she writes very richly about the plague and how it's creeping over Hamnet's body and like things like that too but it's never like gross and so the way she describes natural birth was very true to life like I was very touched by that I've had three very different natural births and like I also I, yeah just something about like her giving birth in the woods also made more sense because of the time period that it's like the 1700s when you're like you know what sweetie it's probably not that much more hygienic in your hovel of a home so right. you I should think go where like you this, I thought this was like the 1500s even like further maybe back it is home. yeah I, like... yeah you're right it is like the 1500s but um especially but the plague totally going right. around and all these like exactly. disgusting like I mean, is it not crazy? It's like, oh, yeah, the father came home for a whole month because it was plague season. So all the all the playhouses are boarded up. <laughs> I mean, we are like are worried about COVID and this is a freaking bubonic plague. But anyway, uh, there's something just very sacred about that. And I absolutely love her relationship with her brother. Like, that was just a thread I, the whole book that I just could not get enough of Bartholomew. I was like, listen, I love you so much. <laughs> the, he was my favorite character. Yes. He was my favorite character because he was so steadfast. The two, like when she talked about them, how the two of them bonded as children and how everything. Hi, why am I literally feeling emotional right now? There is something this, in the this air. Book, I, don't know. I, I, I don't know. It the It's like this, the, like, aftershock of this book I think, too. I think she just Kinda... explored relationships so well where yeah. it was like he was so loyal to her and even like you know him he didn't really want her to marry Shakespeare but he knew that she really wanted it he didn't really yeah. want like all these things for her but he was willing to kind of stand by her 
the scene where they go off and they're going to go get Shakespeare and everybody's like, oh, like you're going to talk to a right. And he's like, get on the horse. Let's go. And yeah. I was like, son, <laughs> this is what, what it made me think about was I have two brothers that are five and eight years younger than me. And I literally was like, you know what? It makes me sad that we never had this kind of relationship because of our age yeah. gap. I was like, I like how amazing to have a an age that's just like going to be your true ride or die. Yeah, oh, I love Bartholomew so much. Bartholomew was definitely a perfect example of someone who is like really good at deep listening, like truly listening to you and like empathizing with you and not trying to fix it necessarily, but also being willing to like step in when he needs to. Like he's very nurturing and caring for everyone around him. I mean, he's a shepherd. He has a, like that kind of like Jesus vibe of like peaceful leadership. Definitely. Every time he was on the scene, I was happy. Even there was also like a, a scene with him whenever Hamnet dies. And of course, this is like, you know, the, the whole, that probably happens a little bit over halfway through. And so like the whole time you're kind of like, you know what's fixing to happen. And then, you know, like Hamnet dies and it's just, mm-hmm. she, she's, in so much grief and he just is like this steady presence before um you know Shakespeare hadn't made it back yet he was traveling as quickly as he can but he was just like you know what like what do you want to do because everybody's like oh look we've got to get the body we got to get the body like we need to go ahead and bury him and he just like again like stands by her and is like you know you've got this like you tell me what you want to do and I'll stand by the decision and I'll let everyone else know and I just was like, how in such a time of grief and sorrow, you want somebody that's like in your corner, be like listening to you, just like you said, and it's just on your team. So, yeah, love this man. Yeah, I guess we. Okay, so juxtapose that like a whole experience, right, with how the twins are born, which is she's trying her best to get her butt back to the forest and they catch her and Mary's like heck no you're staying in this house like there's nothing you can do about it you have to stay here and she is just like a caged animal and it reminded me honestly of like my hospital birth after having like you know these very calm birth center births and and I'm sure you know this better than anyone about how like when birth is not how you wanted it or how you pictured it or you know she gives birth to the one twin and this whole time her whole life she had known that she's only going to have two children and so she had no clue that she was having twins and how terrifying that must have been and painful and like I don't know she's just like an agony in that scene and it really like again touched my heart because I'm like I, I I feel you girl I really was stuck or struck by this like sense of she just she doesn't really accept help or she doesn't like help she like I think that's why her and Bartholomew's relationship works so well is that she just kind of like he does what she wants but she really Mm -hmm. independent extremely headstrong and it was so hard for her to relinquish control and like be in a different situation but I was thinking, you know, now that we knew that she was having twins, I was kind of like, girl, you need a little bit of help. You can't just, which, you know, she didn't know it, but I was thinking, like, you can't just be laid up on the middle of the floor of a dadgum forest nursing one child and then, like, 
pushing out another one. I was definitely like, I I get it. The loss of control is, te- it really is very terrifying, very scary because you're in such a vulnerable position. But I was like, girl, I wish you would just accept a little bit of help. Like, why could you not have just been like, you know what, Mary, me and you, let's pack up, go off into the woods. Or I, even if it's not Mary, a maid, Eliza, the sister-in-law, somebody. I just was kind of like, girl, she was just a touch too brazen for me. Oh, I totally agree. I was really stressing that she was going to somehow get away and then something horrible was going to happen <laughs> even though you know that they're both going to survive I totally agree I'm like no we need whatever medical intervention was available at the time right. which was happened to be like this old midwife or whatever and I do think that she kind of came full circle with that because at the end if you remember she like goes to see the midwife or treats her at some point and like gives her a salve and is like actually very tender with her. So you know that she does feel gratitude for her helping her birth these babies. Right. I know. I, I loved right whenever, um, well, no, I guess it actually happens whenever Hamnet died where she talked about as like a little infant, how she would touch like the, the inner part of the palm Agnes and how, like feel the differences between her kids and like just the just like it just made me think about like the tiny like you're about to have another little baby like you know where it's just like you're so enraptured by a tiny sweet little spirit like a new little tiny baby in your home and even and like I've had twins where it's like they're they're alike but they're so different and this just like I don't know. There's just like wondrous sense of it being your child and it's such like a special thing and it just I don't know. It really, it really, really was hard for me to read about like the one twin Don and then like the, the twinless twin. There's definitely so many great and, and interesting points to kind of, you know, even just think about within this book. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you specifically about that. Like we should just talk about when Hamnet does die and kind of how it comes to pass because you're a not only like a twin mom, but a boy girl twin mom. And there is that devastating moment after Hamnet's death when Judith is like mom like when when your husband dies or your wife dies you're a widow and when your parents die you're an orphan but like what are you called when your twin dies like there is no name for that and she's like yeah I don't think that there is and it's just like oh Judith I'm so sorry but I mean this like another kind of mystical element comes on in this book where you could see it going either way in that Judith is like has always been the smaller twin the weaker twin the child that is being constantly nursed back to health and then Hamnet is like this full of life you know bigger baby bigger everything and also I mean frankly like everyone was wishing for a son and like then you know Judith is like this beautiful little bonus kind of thing but at the end Hamnet basically like lays down next to Judith when she's at death's door and is like I can't let her die like I will do anything I will take away her sickness like I I would die for her and you kind of 
you kind of get the idea like throughout that Hamnet is actually because they're so close he probably did just like get the plague from her but the way it's written is you could also believe that he somehow sacrificed himself for her and took away all of her sickness because he becomes acutely sick very very quickly and passes away shortly after while while Judith is getting better and it's it's really sad like when she when Anius wakes up and sees them laying there and like is so confused over who is who and like the fact that now Judith is well that like killed me there's something about like people have always talked about like a twin bond thing and I I my oldest kids are twins so it's kind of hard for me sometimes I'm like you know if I'd have had an older child and then maybe I could have seen a difference but I have noticed since like the kids have been in preschool like my girl twin it's really hard for her not to be with the boy twin like it really is like a kind of a struggle but and the way Judith and Hamner are written where it's like they they really favor where it says like you know they were almost like it's like a weird like mirror image of one another despite being like boy girl like you could kind of tell them apart but it said that that they would you know change clothing and and, um uh, pretend to be one another and i was just kind of thinking about like how you know like my for whatever reason the kids were acting crazy today and fine and i was getting on to them like aren't you guys best friends like why are you being like this and lucille was like tad is my best friend (laughs) I'm like, exactly. I'm like, why are you acting crazy? But it's like, there really is such a sweet brother, sister. Like, when you're just the same age and you just spend 24-7 together. So, yeah, him laying down next to her. And he he also, I wish I could have, I should have written it down where, like, he specifically is like, we're going to, or like, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat death and I'm going to make him think that he's taken her, but it's really going to be me. So it definitely is written like I, he does sacrifice himself in the name of saving Judith. Very beautiful. Seriously. And then Hamnet passes away and then the rest of the book is just like the aftermath of the, the grief and like. I mean, I totally got it and appreciated that, like, Agnes changes, I mean, completely, at least for a little while. I mean, I think she does change. I think in a way, though, like, it almost, I don't know how to articulate this properly. It definitely took some of her ability to tolerate Shakespeare's BS and oh for sure for sure she just didn't have enough to give anymore it was like it was just kind of taken out of her whenever Hamnet died she just kind of she realized like the the that he was taken 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 and she just was like I can't give it like I there's nothing or there, you know I don't have this like unlimited resources that I once had but she just was so wrapped up in you know like I've lost my son like such a huge part of my life right and I at first I was like girl why are you still like like because it would say like every time he would come home she would kind of ice him out for a couple of days and then she would warm back up and they would kind of you know get back to their old their old ways or whatever and at, at first I was like a little annoyed I guess because I'm like no like don't forgive him don't like you need to move on like whatever but then that actually 
went away for me when I realized like the reality of her situation and how you you don't really get divorced back then like there was no other it's like okay I can be bitter till death over this man or I can just accept my life and like make the best of it almost and so that softened that blow a little bit and then at the very end it really what I loved when she finally goes to London and she gets word of like that he's written this play Hamlet and she just feels so gutted that he's basically checked out from the family for the past couple of years and then secretly written this play and she's thinking like oh he ripped off our sorrow for some playhouse like he's making a mockery of like our beloved son's life kind of thing And so when she finally gets in there and like starts watching the play, she sees it as like, oh, actually, this is like how he's processing his grief. And he's trying to like give Hamlet like a like an ode to Hamlet or like a more more of life to him and like bring him back to life kind of. And I just I loved that whole scene. And I loved at the very end, I think the last words are like, remember me or something like that. And it's like the book closes right then and I thought that it was just a perfect ending because it's like okay you know that they're probably going to go on in their same little pattern forever until Shakespeare dies you know <laughs> like that's that that's what happened but somehow there was a little bit of closure I guess and like forgiveness about okay he has like he does have sorrow he does he is processing this in his own way and actually he's done this like beautiful thing to remember our son and now here it is 400 something years later we are still (laughs) talking about it yeah it was one of my favorite parts of the book was definitely whenever she kind of like looked at this boy who had only like vague similarities to her son but like the mannerisms during the play like the boy that played the young hamlet aka Hamnet and like how it said like the curling of the hand and like the gate to his walk and like just like very specific mannerisms that she she realized that um Shakespeare had to like say like oh like you're not doing it right or like you know had to correct it and perfect it down to a T and so she's like you know what like this is like the embodiment of Hamnet and it was taught by his father and and that was really like a very full circle like it, it was just very powerfully written which is i feel like how almost all this book was there definitely was too much fluff at times where i just was like okay it's too much but when she really hit like important parts she really really did an amazing job of um i don't know of letting you understand like how special those moments were totally totally so if you feel like laying alone in your bed and slowly letting tears drain down your face maybe this is a book for you (laughs) it was it people say all the time like oh this is this book devastated me it wrecked me it was so sad and the older I get the more that's actually kind of a turnoff for me yeah I'm like I don't know if I can take that whereas when I was like 22 23 years old I'm like yes I just need to feel baby like bring it on I don't um, have the emotional capacity to do this anymore, honestly. I'm wrecked each totally. day by my family. <laughs> but I wouldn't say that this is 
that kind of book where it's like you know gonna devastate you it's just like it's a bit of a slow burn I feel it's it ratchets up the um like as as it goes towards the end so I feel like it's not like I don't know. It's not, it's it not too much roller coaster. Hammer you, it does not hammer you with sadness. Like, for example, we talked about four wins where I'm like, this is just a slog through misery after misery. But there is still like, there's beauty in their life even after Hamnet dies and they do find a rhythm. And Annis does find a way to like, come back to herself and like rediscover things that are important to her and just like the exploration of their lives together and how there's like beauty even when things aren't perfect I there's like worthwhile stuff there that it's not just misery yes yeah there really was some just special parts and 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 captured a lot of like relationships very well a lot of gives and takes. The last thing I wanted to ask, you talked a lot about like how, like some of the excerpts about motherhood. Is there anything that we did not cover that specifically related to that? There mm, was a couple things I that, I, that stood out to me. I think I'm going to stick it in as the intro to this episode, but there's just a passage where she's talking about like, I refuse to let this child die. Like, I will stand at the gate and, like, I will not let it happen. And, like, she's just working her butt off and internally just, like, no, this won't happen. And it's even better because she knows. She knows that she only has two living children when she dies. Like, she knows it's going to happen. And that's what I mean where, like, there's all this mystical stuff at at the front where it's, like, she knows what's going to happen and she can tell you the future about yourself and she can feel your hand and know your deepest, darkest secret. But at the end of that, at the end of the day, she's still scrabbling for her child's life. It doesn't make it any easier for her to let go. And it just like, I just thought it was so perfectly written. Like it was so pretty and, and devastating all at the same time. There was, I wish I should have shared this when we talked about Mary, but there was one part where she talks about, how like mary looks and and like one of the reasons she pitches in is that she's been on the other side of the palette where it's like the mother that's like you know up all night tending to your sick child and even like last night like tad was up for like completely randomly was like i i can't take a deep breath and it's like three in the morning to me like giving him some cough medicine and like you know staying up with him making sure he's actually like having like respiratory problems and it was just like wow like it's so true like how how often have you just like you know what I mean like every parent has stood in another parent's shoes so often and lived through the same experiences but you know for them they just lived together so they got to kind of experience it together I don't know there was a couple special parts about motherhood that I enjoyed too yeah it's just yeah the crucible of motherhood is like none other but <laughs> the other thing is I loved that it it really did a great job of showing this mother who was so dedicated to her children, who did everything for them and to try and make their lives better and to like try and make their lives rich and like protect them. But also she had her own interests. That's what I say. She was not overbearing. That was not the vibe at all. And I appreciated that. 
Yeah, I mean, she was like a very talented healer and like people were constantly coming to her and like the doctors hated her because she would actually cure people. <laughs> and that was like, she nurtured everyone around her or like, even at the beginning, like she had that little kestrel or whatever. I mean, she just has, she's always had like hobbies that are important to her and she doesn't put that aside. But also like from the, from the child's perspective, how sometimes when you are a child, that can be a lot to handle. That's like, you know, Hamnet searching for her. Where is my mom? She's never here. She's out with the bees. Why is she doing this? Um, or Susanna later, you know, like not kind of resenting that a little bit. But then when it goes away, both girls recognize like how important that is for her to rediscover. And so I liked that cycle in, in the book as well, where it's like, you know, your your kids might not understand why you need this for yourself, but it doesn't make it any less important or valid. Absolutely. And we can end on that. <laughs> you <laughs> okay. have never spoken more truth. Uh, so, and it's funny, the next book that we're reading is Sorrow and Bliss, which are highlighted all over Hamnet, but Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason. This one should be a dark comedy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. I've, I've a, I vaguely remember what we talked about in the our um our what was that episode about? What what was that called? <laughs> I'm talking about our like our like uh season sizzle our yes. preview episode. I as as I recall, I believe that this girl like basically is like dumped. She loses her perfect job. She has to move home, and she's having like mental health issues. And she's trying to face up with all of that and living back with her mom, I think. So it should be pretty good. Yes, I'm excited. And we're also going to kind (laughs) of, hopefully it won't be too dark. We have, I guess, you know, I say all this, I have a lot of like fun books I'm reading now. So I'm like, I I probably could use a healthy dose of, uh, you know, contemporary fiction now and again. I've been stuck in a happy uh, joyful happily ever afters for the past couple months so i was gonna ask if you felt like the amount of of like light reading that you've been doing do you feel like that at all affected reading something more like i mean i would call hamnet like literature (laughs) like it's like that's gonna be on like required reading lists in the future Yes, and actually, this book won a ton of awards. I'm pretty sure. Um, oh yeah, I was reading up on it. Yes, it did. Um, did it? Yes, it did. Um, also, because lately I've just been also very into books that just like grab my attention right away. Because I have so many good books that if they don't grab my attention, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, I'll just move on to something better. Where perhaps before this, also listen, Kindle Unlimited. I love you so much. Like a shout out to please can we get these people to sponsor us? Uh, fingers crossed. Probably never, but a girl can dream because there's just so much content where before I was like get, get ugh, I was getting like a single library book or a single download where now I'm like wow there's just unlimited books for me to read here. So yeah, I'm the happy just to uh, I'm going from one to the next, and if it's not good, I'm like goodbye. Sorry, I don't have time for you. So yeah, it definitely has affected me, and also it's been hard to stop some of the good or the better books that I've been listening to to, you know, go into this, which is a little bit more of a 
drudgery at times. All right. Well, I'll see you in a couple weeks with Sorrow and Bliss. Bye. This has been One Page More. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a five-star review. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds so-